Hello Laker fans, welcome to The Late Late Show. I'm your host Matt from Lakers UK. Jonathan Kernan, who's a managing editor of Lakers UK and a contributor of Late Show Life, joins the show again. How are you doing, mate? Not too bad at all. A lot of, uh, lot of uncertain times at this moment in time, but yeah, I wish the basketball was back, but yeah, loving life. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you, mate. Cheers for coming on again. We've got a good one lined up. Absolutely. Can't wait to get into it. Yeah, definitely. Well, there's quite a lot to go through, so we'll jump straight in. What we're going to do for this show, obviously you'll have an idea with the title of, of the podcast. Um, for this show, we're going to rewind and take a look at the rebuilding years. Specifically, who the Lakers drafted between 2014 and 2018, the rebuilding years. Depending on how long this takes, I think it is more likely that it is going to be a two-part series. We're hoping it will be two-part series. It could be more. Let's just see how it goes. Um, we'll kind of cram it with two-part series for now. So for this episode, we're going to go from 2014 to half of the 2016 draft. Okay? So the plan is to go through the names selected in each draft class and chat a bit about them. It's pretty simple. Jonathan will get his say. He'll have a talk about the player. Pass it over to me. I'll talk about the player. We'll move on. If there's a bit of dialogue... We'll go back and forth, okay? Does that sound good to you, Jonathan? Yep, sounds absolutely perfect to me. Can't wait to get into it. Okay, quickly before we start, Woj of ESPN has reported that the NBA are going to reopen some facilities. A lot of you will already know this, but I'll quickly read through. So he has suggested that beginning on May the 1st, the NBA will allow teams to open their practice facilities to players in cities and states where local government have eased stay-at-home orders. He did also add that teams will be allowed to make facilities open to players on a voluntary basis for individual work. However, larger group workouts are still prohibited. In NBA markets that aren't loosening restrictions, league plans to work with teams on other arrangements. So it isn't a a league-wide thing. It's still kind of just something where it's in states where they're loosening rules. Also, as well, he did add that it doesn't suggest that the season returning is, is imminent. It's just kind of a thing now for getting the players to play a little bit of basketball. Jonathan, what do you think about this? I think it's just a terrible idea. Like, plain and simple, it's a terrible idea. Obviously, we're all, we all hate being at home during this coronavirus epidemic. We really want to be out, kind of living our lives, even just go back to our normal routine. But it's still way, way too early to be doing this. It's like they, they, they might be over the first wave or the first wave must be kind of cresting. But there's always, in terms of pandemics, there's always going to be a second wave. And they're really risking the, the health and safety of their like the, the Lakers staff or NBA staff in general and their players. And I just think it's a terrible idea. And it people just kind of need to bunker down. If we miss an NBA season, it's obviously not ideal, but if we, even one person dies needlessly because of this, it's, it's absolutely unacceptable. Yeah, I do tend to agree with what you're saying, where I think it's clear to see that we, we this hasn't, hasn't hit its peak yet. You know, it's debatable. We're not even like halfway through all of this being in quarantine and things like that, in my opinion. I think it's just a way of the league trying to get the players to just play a little bit of basketball. And when you read into it a little bit, it 
I think the headline was a bit misleading. I think it was kind of like the NBA opening up all the practice facilities. It, it's not really that. And I think a lot of people are thinking that it's just kind of in certain states where they're relaxing things. But I think it's more of a reactionary thing because I think there's been talks of, I think places like Georgia and Atlanta are really relaxed with their like stay at home rules. So I think a lot of players wanted to go out to Georgia and Atlanta. So this is the NBA's way of, of avoiding that and just getting them to work out in regular gyms and health centers, things like that. So I think it's more of a case of if you're going to do it, it will at least do it in a controlled environment. So I think that's mainly the main reason, but I, I think it is too soon at the moment. Um, I think it might be something that they start and then it gets backtracked, but we'll just wait and see. The best thing they should really be doing is getting these um, short-term tests, which will be able to tell if the players are asymptomatic, if they're actually sick. If they can get them in a controlled environment for a certain period of time, maybe it could, they could uh, they could restart the season or you restart the training uh, camps or whatever they wish to do. But right now, as it stands, it, I think it's just a terrible idea to kind of get groups of people in a place together because you're going to have the players themselves. Then you have coaching staffs then you have training people, then you have general managers and office people. It's just way too many people in a place at one time. They just need to kind of make sure everything is going to be okay before they really kind of jump into back into the season. Yeah, I, I do agree. And uh, we'll wait to see how it develops as well, like anything. Because uh, I'm pretty sure we'll hear different things, maybe not on a weekly basis, but certainly on a fortnightly basis seems to be the, the current time period that we are hearing things. So we'll... Take it in that time frame. Um, so let's jump straight into the pod. It is, well, the main bulk of the pod. It is a long one. So don't really want to take too much time with the NBA reopening facilities news. It was just something that me and Jonathan both agreed prior to the podcast that we wanted to discuss. So there you go, guys. We did discuss that. So let's move straight in. And we're going to go to the 2014 draft, which actually sounds like it shouldn't have been that long ago, but it was six years ago, believe it or not crazy yeah but in 2014 um i'm sure you all know but let's go through it the lakers held the seventh pick in the draft after going 27 and 55 in the previous season they selected julius randall with that pick even though it wasn't a selection that night the lakers also traded for jordan clarkson who was selected in the second round with the 46th pick by the washington wizards the lakers believe it or not i actually I'm not sure if I didn't know this or if I kind of forgot, but the Lakers actually only gave up cash considerations to acquire Clarkson, which is a fantastic trade. Um, but let's start with Julius Randle, okay? So I'll give Jonathan the floor. So yeah, Julius Randle drafted seventh overall in the 2014 draft. Initially, when we drafted him, I was obviously we knew about him and he knew that he was a bit of a beast, a six foot eight power four, and just a kind of did unbelievable things at Kentucky. He was one of their best forwards and power forwards in a number of years. Initially, what I thought about Julius when we drafted him was like, he was a bit bulkier than I thought. Like, obviously, the pro comparison initially was Zach Randolph. You could see that easy. He plays a bit of bully ball. But um, there's, yeah, there's just a few kind of weaknesses I noticed straight off the bat. Like, I knew he was very left hand dominant. And I, I noticed that he couldn't really shoot outside of the paint. He's, uh, I could think he's he's definitely improved that. But yeah, that's what I noticed initially about Julius, and he was yeah he looked the part of 
really good lottery pick. And I think he's been one of the better players in this draft. Yeah, so with Julius Randle, um, I think the first thing that comes to my mind with him, unfortunately, is that leg break 14 minutes into his debut. Uh, it was devastating, man. Absolutely devastating. And he missed his entire rookie campaign because of that. And I don't know about you, Jonathan, but I always thought he was playing catch-up from there. Yeah, I 100% agree. Like, obviously, he got to stick around the team during that period of time, and he was able to learn how to become more of a professional basketball player, and he was able to work on some tendencies. But, yeah, I think he was just playing catch-up the entire time. I think if he if he was able to... Uh, if, I think he would have had a really good rookie season where he could have obviously had his um, gone to trial and error. But yeah, I think ever since then, he, especially with the Lakers, he was always playing a bit of catch-up. Yeah, and I, I always thought he was a solid player for us. I really liked Julius Randle. He was pretty much a double-double machine instantly. Uh, he was aggressive in the pain. Uh, he had the passion. He loved to trash talk too. And... I always remember when he got in the face of the likes of Kevin Garnett, um, Chandler, Booker, Cousins. Obviously, apart from Booker, them players are very established players, especially the likes of like Kevin Garnett. And for this young, like, what, 19, 20-year-old to be getting in the grills of players like that, I think just showed his fire. And I always thought he was naturally progressing with us. So he was undersized as a big, and obviously he was a power forward, but he, he allowed to, to play small ball every now and then. Um, but he left us with averaging 16 points and eight rebounds per game. So he was going up. Obviously, he left the Lakers to, for us to get LeBron, and that supporting cast in, in 2018, mainly for salary purposes, not nothing to do with him as a player. But obviously, funnily enough, he went to the Pelicans, and I, ha- I have um, memories of when he was with the Lakers of that carelessness, which was really frustrating. And sometimes I think he would be thinking about what he's going to do before he does it, which allowed him to kind of make a few stupid mistakes. And I remember fans being very um, frustrated with that. He was very reactionary, um, which I think hindered his games, uh, his game. But... The only thing I would have liked to have seen him develop, really, in terms of how he played the game, obviously that carelessness was just something that maturity was going to fix that. But he never really developed that mid-range outside game, three-point shooting, things like that. And I would have... He, he kind of... When he left, he attempted to do it, but I would have liked to have seen that develop like straight away. The game, the NBA, the game had already started developing into a three-point league before he'd even came into it. So it would have been nice to see part of that game evolve a little bit quicker. Um, and it still hasn't really developed. He's now with the Knicks and he's he's averaging 19-point double-double. So he's doing like fantastic on the season. Um, but I just think there's facets of his game that could have developed a little bit further than it did. But I liked Randall. He's a very good player. I think Randall is really a throwback player. Like I initially men- mentioned uh, Zach Randolph, and like yeah, he's definitely kind of a throwback player who cuts his teeth in the paint. Is a bit of a bully at times when he's down low. He's he's able to use his bulk to kind of um, push people out of his way. But yeah, he really could have taken his game to another level if he was able to um, add a mid-range shot or a three-point shot because he has the assist numbers. Like as a power forward, he's relatively good. As an assist man, like I think in 2016-17 season, he was able to average 3.6 assists a game for the Lakers, which for a power forward is fantastic. He just needed to add, he needed to kind of grow 
with the game itself. And if he's if he ever adds uh, a three point shot to his uh, his arsenal going forward, like there's still plenty of time for him to be able to add that to his game. Like the likes of Brook Lopez has been able to add it, and it's been a real feather in his cap going forward. But if Julius is able to do that, he has the potential to be like a really really good player. I don't think he's ever going to be. A, a, like a stopper on defense, which might hinder his kind of potential. But if he adds a three-point shot, that's he, he's definitely there's all-star potential there. He's he has been on the cusp of it, but if he really adds a three-point game to him, it, it could be it help his game exponentially. Yeah, definitely. And should we move on to Jordan Clarkson? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so. I'll, I'll I'll let you go first again, and we'll start. We'll carry on with that um, rhythm, okay? So Jordan Clarkson. Yeah, but Jordan Clarkson. Well, we I don't think anyone was expecting that. With like when the Lakers were able to buy a pick, I, to that to this day, I I didn't even realize you could do that. I think they paid about one point five, one point seven million for the pick, and it really worked out for them. They got Jordan Clarkson with the forty sixth pick from the Wizards. He's a six foot four combo guard, which at the time we had Kobe. We're kind of a bit befuddled, kind of thinking, why do we need Jordan Clarkson? But he's had a, like a really good ability to play both the point guard position and the shooting guard position. Initially, like I don't think mo- many people knew anything about him compared to Randall. Randall was more of the household name. But with Jordan Clarkson, the one thing I did notice about him from his YouTube highlights, he looked like a really kind of volume shooter. Had like decent ball handles and was deceptively quick and athletic and was able to dunk the ball. But yeah, he really I think he's really surprised a lot of people with his first season with the Lakers. He really outplayed his kind of draft uh, pick and he, he looked like a like a lottery pick for most of the season. One kind of player, player he really reminds me of, or really initially reminded me of, was someone like Monta Ellis, who's mm-hmm. if he got going, he could go get like really really hot and could rattle off. 10 11 baskets like in really quick succession but i think to, as his career kind of progressed he reminded me more of jr smith kind of didn't really have a conscience when it came to shooting the ball really wanted to get his own shots and not get his teammates involved because he really had potential as a passer and as an assist man i, I to this day i still don't think he's kind of realized that potential just yet he just seems to want to score the ball which he's good at there's another, he could add to that facet of his game if he really wanted to kind of get the, his other teammates involved. Yeah, I mean, I I, I really like Clarkson. Um, I liked him and I still like him as a player. Um, I He was solid. He was very entertaining at that time when we were in the rebuild years. We just needed a little bit of entertainment. And he was, like you said, he was a flat-out scorer, just flat-out and there wasn't much else to his game, really. Obviously, there are a few rebounds. You said that there was a bit of assist element to his game, but mainly he was just a flat-out scorer. Um, and to be honest with you, he's carved out a very good career for himself, especially from being a second-round pick. And he had no right to do so. He really didn't. And, oh, 100% agree. Yeah, and obviously he was, dra- he was traded to Cleveland in 2018. And now he's very much, he's with the Jazz now, and he's very much contributing on a very good Jazz team, you know, a playoff-bound Western Conference team. But going back to his Lakers Lakers days, I remember early on um, when we were absolutely terrible 
And Byron Scott would always play Jeremy Lin and Ronnie Price over Clarkson. And we were always like, just give him a chance, give him a chance. He's young, like develop, develop. And that was it. And they just would not give him a chance at all. And it was really frustrating. It's frustrating even getting back into the mindset of remembering that. Um, But it appeared that there was a little belief in him. He went to the D League at the time. And I actually remember it as well. But I pulled up some stats and he averaged 22.6 points, five rebounds and 7.8 assists in the, in what was then called the D League. That's incredible. So I think it was quite clear to see that he wasn't that level. He was NBA. And then in the second half of his first season, he started for the Lakers and he was knocking down like, I think it was like 15 points a night. And again, he had no right to do that. He was definitely like a diamond in the rough. And he even made the first all-rookie team that year too, which was incredible, really. But for like... You know, I praised Clarkson a lot there, but I think 14, 15 points a night was really his ceiling, to be honest. He was really like a role player. Um, In time, he's developed into a solid bench piece. His numbers were never fantastic, high-volume shooter, but he'd get buckets. Um, I'm very glad he got that four-year, $50 million contract he got. He deserved it. Yeah, definitely. And it set him up moving forward as well. I was very happy. For him, and it was a good deal for us at the time as well. You know, we had the cap space. We weren't really looking for much. We were kind of striking out every summer. Didn't really have much of a foundation. But, yeah, as a second-round pick, he's done very, very well for himself. I like Clarkson, and I still do. I think the thing about Clarkson is he never truly got much better than he did with the first season at the Lakers. He's just He's been very consistently at that level, like even till now. But, yeah, I think he definitely deserved him when he got he played his ass off for the Lakers and I don't think many young players got a look in when Byron Scott was the head coach of the Lakers we all remember how he was with D'Angelo Russell so he's just kind of a bit of a he likes his veteran players and he wanted to stick with them but yeah really liked uh, Jordan Clarkson really thought he had really good potential like, maybe he hasn't realised his, his potential but he was a bit of an older player coming out of college mm-hmm. so yeah, he's 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 done well for himself, and he's he's an NBA player. Like, there's not many people that can say they're an NBA player, and he's really kind of built a niche for himself. He's going to be that sixth man, that spark off the bench for any team going forward. He could be potentially a starting player once more, once again, but he's I think he's going to cut his teeth as a sixth man in the league, and is going to make himself probably more money uh, going forward. So yeah, fair play to Jordan Clarkson. He really outplayed his draft position and. He's definitely a success story. Yeah, and you mentioned Jandelo Russell, and that is a good segue onto the 2015 draft. And it was a busy one for the Lakers that year. The Lakers held the second overall pick and selected D'Angelo Russell. Um, and with the 27th pick, they selected Larry Nance Jr. When I say that name, it still brings a smile to my face. And no at 37, 37, my fault, that is incorrect, at 34 in that year's draft class, they selected Anthony Brown. Okay, so let's start with D'Angelo Russell. So yeah, D'Angelo Russell, it was, I think for everyone, it's a bit of a surprise when the Lakers drafted him. Like He was expected to be a top five pick or even a top three pick, but it seemed to everyone that Jalil Okafor was going to be the next great Lakers big. And yeah. the Lakers kind of flipped the script there and took Russell, which... In hindsight, it was a fantastic move. 
Initially, well, my thoughts about D'Angelo Russell was he had a really kind of silky smooth jump shot that really looked effortless. And he looked, like the, especially in, during the draft night, they made him out to be like the next great playmaker for the Lakers, like akin to Magic Johnson, where they, they saw, saw him make like half-court passes, like just absolutely make pinpoint passes every, every game, which unfortunately I don't think he's... Uh, lived up to that. He still makes some great passes, but he's not that kind of next level playmaker we all thought he was going to be. The one thing I did notice about him straight away from college, he didn't look overly athletic or explosive. He probably had deceptive speed, but he didn't look like like an uber athlete like the likes of Westbrook or even like a player like Jab Morant now. But he's he's still a very very young prospect who needed a lot of work. Um, I think the hype behind D'Angelo Russell initially was uh, too much. He was a very young player, and he was a lot of us expected of him. They, everyone expected basically Magic Johnson 2.0, and like he did well his first in, first season for the Lakers, but they put him under way too much pressure way too early. I think it might have cost him his career with the Lakers. Yeah, I um, I do agree. He was very very talented uh, coming into the draft and. As a player in the NBA, very, very talented, still is. But he came in as the second overall pick. And you you hit the nail on the head. Expectations were so high. And Carl Anthony Towns was the first round draft pick in that that year. And I kind of remember just looking ahead and being like, oh, that's what we could have had, you know. And um, he went 18 and 10 in his first season. He actually went 25 and 12 in his second season. D'Angelo went 13, 3 and 3 in his first season, and he went 15, 4 and 3 in his second season. That's the difference between drafting first and second. And obviously, Absolutely. as we continue with this season, uh, this, this series, we will see more of that because obviously the Lakers had a lot of second round draft picks. But in, in his defense, he played 22 games on the bench in his first season. Byron Scott again, and I'm not even going to say any more about that. Um, unfortunately, it, it, I don't think it was his fault. He wasn't developing as quickly as some expected, as the front office expected, it seems. Um, he was a kid in the bright lights of LA. Um, but the expectation is for top draft picks to be an instant hit. But Khan in Towns was doing it. Um, in Minnesota, that's what set Russell's expectations sky high. And I just don't think he really met those, really. Um, the Lakers were in rebuild. We were absolutely dying for star talent again. Like you said, he was Magic Johnson 2.0. He was a scorer, um, but he was very passive. He was very passive when he was going to the rim. He he lacked aggression. You were on about a silky smooth shot, and he did have a silky smooth shot, but I also thought he was a bit robotic, me, when he moved around, when sometimes he went into the motion of his shot. He was very slow. He was very robotic. Um, He was obviously a very big point guard, Um, so I think that obviously had some element to it. He wasn't like your, your six foot one, six foot two, like lightning speed point guard. Uh, which obviously is what the NBA is dominated with, uh, was back then and it still is now. But he was a solid three-point threat. He lit up the game at times. 
I always remember, I think he, he, he went back and forth with Kyrie Irving at one point, and I think he must have dropped like 30-odd points on him. It was a really big game. I always remember that. So he always had that potential. Um, but he always sat around the league average in percentage. When coming out of college, he was supposed to be this 40% three-point shooter. Um, and he really showed his talent in flurries. And he's developed well since. He had an all-star tenure in Brooklyn. He averaged 23-6-3 with the Warriors. And now he's over in Minnesota with, obviously, his mate, Carl Anthony Towns, who again pops up. Um, I think that a lot has, of, of his increase in numbers has been down to his usage. Um, he, that rate has shot up. Uh, this season, it's around 32 33%, which is a lot higher than it was with the Lakers. But, yeah, very talented player. Um, I just don't think it was really set up for him in LA. The drama, like the Nick Young situation, certainly didn't help either. I'm glad to see him flourishing elsewhere, but I just don't think it really was going to work out for him in LA. No, I think especially with Magic Johnson really kind of got himself involved during this period of time when the Nick Young uh, thing happened. He really should have been throwing his arm around D'Angelo and saying, listen, like you've made a mistake. We can make this work going forward. Obviously, it, and it initially it still didn't make any sense to me. Obviously, they wanted to get rid of Timothy Moskov's contract, but they weren't in the hunt for any All-NBA performers at this period of time. They got rid of Russell to get rid of a contract. Obviously, they were able to get a pick out of it, which later turned out to be Kyle Kuzma, but they really kind of should have kind of had his back and realized that this is a young guy. This That could have potentially ruined his, his career, Shown having the team turn his back on him, but obviously he went from strength to strength, got a bit more mature, got better. Initially, my kind of pro comparison for him was Manu Ginobili, but I definitely don't see that now. I think he reminds me of like this might be kind of hyperbolic, but he reminds me of like James Harden Light, like kind of very slow kind of build up, can really get going and can kind of assist and rebound at a decent rate. But yeah, I think. D'Angelo has proved himself to be a decent player. Like actually, now that you're, you were talking about, it, I kind of agree about his shot. It was kind of very slow, kind of very mechanical. He just kind of very kind of slow build up. The game came at his pace rather than the team's pace, and I think that affected the Lakers at the time. But yeah, D'Angelo Russell's gone on to have a decent career. I still think he could possibly be an All NBA performer, but I think his ceiling right now is being one of the better combo guards in the entire league. And I think him and Carl Anthony Towns going forward could do really good things together. And hopefully hopefully he has a good career going forward. Obviously, he's made his money with the Golden State Warriors. But yeah, I think he has potential to have a really good career ahead of him. I don't think he's ever going to live up to the second overall um, hype because the kind of guys taken after him might have stole some of his spotlight, likes of Devin Booker, and maybe to a lesser extent, Chris Aspasorzingas. But yeah, he's 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 definitely lived up to kind of a top ten kind of lottery status, and yeah, he's going to have a great career. He's going to continue to get better, and he's still a young player. He can still add a lot to his game. But yeah, I still think we were we were quite unfortunate to not get Carl Anthony Towns. He would have been a game changer for the Lakers. Yeah, definitely, and uh, obviously. Russell's maturity lacked a bit, but he was a young kid. He was in LA. He'd been all of a sudden thrown into money. Um, I think a lot of people would be in that situation and it's a really difficult place to develop, but I just don't think it was really set for D'Angelo Russell. And it's good to see him doing it elsewhere. I wasn't as high on him as other people were. It was a bit sad that 
he moved on because of a salary dump. I thought there was a bit more value to him there, but it allowed the Lakers to move on, um, get the draft pick for Kuzma, um, and then just kind of go in the path that has led to this new super team developing, really. And then moves back then in 2018 to get rid of these players, or well, maybe not get rid, let's say to get value for these players to lead up to getting LeBron, to leading up to getting um, Anthony Davis. It all has like a knock-on effect. But a lot of these young players, and especially the likes of like Clarkson, who were a second-round pick, they came in and we were like, that's our next star. That is our next star. I mean, heck, we were even bigging up Ryan Kelly. He's not even included in this, but he was, I think, two Ryan Kelly was a beast. Yeah, and he, um, it, we, we wanted them to be stars, and I just don't think it was the right environment, to be honest. And he's do, like D'Angelo Russell's doing very well, and he'll have a very good career. I think he'll have some more all-star selections, um, but I'm not really too sad that he doesn't play for the Lakers anymore. It's just more in the manner that he left. Um, but I think I have memories of him coming back, and I think he ripped as a new one and won the game single-handedly, I think. So he's had his revenge, really, but I don't think there's any bad blood. When Magic Johnson moved on, uh, the front office is completely different to when D'Angelo Russell was with the team. So uh, I don't think there's there's much bad blood now. But um, shall we move on to Larry Nance? Just one last thing. The yeah. Lakers actually tried to sign him this summer, which might have been a kind of a decent reunion, but obviously it didn't happen in the end. But yeah, I'm really glad D'Angelo is going to go on to have a good career. Obviously, we wish he could have stayed with the Lakers at a pretty decent money for a, neck for a couple more years. But yeah. He's having a good career for himself, a fair play to him. Hey guys, I'm just going to let you know how you can save money with Fnatic UK in the official NBA Star Europe. Lakers UK are proud partners of both sites, where you can access the site through a unique web link and enter the promo code LakersUK10 at checkout for 10% off your order. This is not restricted to Lakers merchandise only and is available site-wide for both. On the Fanatics UK site, they have a wide range of NBA, NFL, NHL, Major League Baseball, as well as soccer slash football merchandise. The NBA Star Europe site hosts all the NBA gear you'll ever need, from new jerseys to classic throwbacks to leisure wear. Remember though, to activate the discount, you must enter each site through our unique web link. This can be found over at www.lakersuk.com forward slash partners. That's www.lakersuk.com forward slash partners. Alternatively, reach out to us on social media and we'll sort you out. So access the unique links for our website, www.lakersuk.com forward slash partners to enable the discount and then enter the promo code LakersUK10 at checkout and watch that price drop. The code can be used more than once and can be applied to already discounted items. Save money with Lakers UK at Fanatics UK and the official NBA Star Europe. Yeah, so moving on to Larry Nance. Um, Again, I'll let you go. Uh, This should be a fun one. Larry Nance Jr., to be specific. Yeah, Larry Nance Jr., not to be mistaken for his father, Larry Nance. But... um, (laughs) The brought in for the 27th pick, um, six foot eight power forward from the University of Wyoming. Uh, well, I I think I I coined a nickname for him, which 
semi caught wind on Twitter back in the day. I called Larry Nance the Baptist because he used <laughs> to just he just he just used to baptize people like what he did to Brooke Lopez is should be considered assault, and what he did to Kevin Durant and like any other player that would have played him out of the league if they weren't so good. But David yeah, West. Oh, David West! I just I, every just I we keep remembering about Larry is the posters and the face, like the face he makes after. I was like, oh shit! Like, but uh, he's and my initial thoughts about Larry Nance. I initially thought he was a bit small for the position, but he didn't. He never played small. Anytime you, you looked at him, he was kind of getting in people's faces, jumping over him to grab a rebound. But the, obviously, the first thing that popped off the screen for us was he was an explosive athlete. Like he did not, well, sounding kind of silly. Or discriminatory, he didn't look like a a good athlete. But mm. the second the ball gets in his hands, he jumped like forty inches in the air and just dunk over everyone. Um, the one thing I think that he re endeared himself to the Lakers fans was his effort. Like straight away, he was a fan favorite, not because he was like the best player on the, on the on the on the court, but he was he. There was very few people that tried as much as Larry Nance on the court, he really kind of gave it his all on both ends of the court, and he really kind of endeared himself to the Lakers community. And he's kind of developed into, well, in a short period with the Lakers, he was able to develop into kind of a power, like a, he was a power forward, he was able to develop a little bit into a small ball center as well uh, towards the end of his Lakers tenure. But yeah, Larry Nance was excellent. I think we all look, every Lakers fan look really funny back on the time that we had Larry Nance because one he was just him and Zubac were just great fun together like Zubaka and Zubac Tupac but uh, yeah <laughs> he was he was great during that time he had a great sense of humour and he was just and the one thing actually I'm going to bring up that I think needs to be mentioned he suffers from Crohn's disease I, I know a person that suffers from Crohn's disease also and it's a really debilitating kind of illness for them they can really like knocked him for for like a loop, and for him to play at such a high level and be able to be such an advocate for the disease, it really, it really says a lot for him as a person that he's able to speak up about what he's been through and he's been able to kind of advocate for different people. So fair play to him. I really, really loved Larry Nance. Really wish he was still a Laker, and loved would love to see him post rise a few more people for the Lakers. But yeah. Fantastic draft pick, and the Lakers have shown such a great ability to find kind of um, diamonds in the rough in the late twenties and the early second rounds. And Larry Nance is no exception. To me, I think he's one of the better um, players we've picked in the second round. He just really showed up every game for the Lakers, and you could, you could tell he had a lot of pride in wearing the jersey. And that's all you want from any player if they're able to kind of do the the purple and gold justice then they're going to be like, we're going to support them. And Larry Nance did that loads for us. So miss Larry, any issues here? Yeah. I think the thing is with Nance is he was very likable as a person, as, as you said. And uh, I think a lot of Laker fans related to that. And to me, I thought he was a breath of fresh air. Um, obviously he was a player coming in that we didn't really have much expectation for, and it was the same when he was playing as well. There was no burden of, this is our next superstar, he needs to put up these numbers. He just went out there and did what he did. Um, he was a four-year player, so he came in with a level of maturity. I always remember him being the mature player out of the young core, so to speak. Um, and I think I've seen actual backstage Laker episodes where he actually said that himself, when like D'Angelo Russell, who obviously we know was quite immature, 
Larry Nance would be the guy, kind of the older brother that would kind of be like, you know, cut it out, like, you know. And I think that transitioned into his game as well. And he wasn't flashy. He wasn't necessarily extremely talented, to be honest, but he was a solid role player and he knew what he was good at. And he came into the league knowing what his strengths were, knowing what his weaknesses were, obviously because he had four years to do it at college. And he kind of, I wouldn't say hit the ground running is the right saying, but he just he just slotted into the doing the job that we needed him to do, really. And obviously, how could we forget his hops? You know, you've mentioned the Durant one, um, David West. Uh, Brooke Lopez one is my favourite, and I think even more... That was assault. Even more so with Brooke then going to join the Lakers and playing alongside... Um, Nance, which I thought was hilarious. I think uh, I don't think it was long, was it, that they were together for? I think Nance got traded mid-season. Um, yeah, I think but so. I th- certainly think there was a bit of banter that was thrown back and forth between them two. Well, not between them two, but from Nance to Brooke uh, because of that. Um, but yeah, it was um, a very fun player, breath of fresh air. Um, it wasn't necessarily his 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 leap with them dunks as well but he just had really long arms like really huge stretchy arms and uh i think he has seven one foot one seven foot one wingspan yeah to a six six eight which is pretty big yeah exactly and i think he got a lot of deflections a lot of blocks he was able to throw down them dunks he was just a really useful player at the time and obviously like we said he was traded back to cleveland well clay traded to cleveland back in 2018 which was sad but we were all happy for him because he's an Ohio kid. He was going home or the closest to home in terms of an NBA franchise. His dad's numbers, his dad's number was retired by the Cavs. So it was sad, but I think it was kind of, you know, so long farewell type thing. Um, very fun, did his job. Yeah, I like Nance. Um, I think he doesn't play as much as he probably should do and he had some injury problems with the Lakers as well. Um, but Apart from that, a very fun player that just did his job. I'd low-key love to have him back on the Lakers. I don't think it would cost too much if he like, hit free agency. He'd be just like a really good kind of rotational piece to kind of play power forward and center for the Lakers. And plus, the one thing that Larry Nance brought, if it wasn't if his talent wasn't amazing, the one thing he brought to the Lakers was he was a fantastic teammate. I don't think I've ever heard anyone say a bad word about Larry Nance or just they've always spoken incredibly highly of him. And the, I think I'm just trying to think there, who Larry Nance's player comparison be? Uh, Kenneth Reed actually would be a pretty, pretty decent one. Both of them are kind of similar players, very big effort guys who just try their hardest for their teams and grab rebounds and score like pretty good dunks. But yeah. Larry Nance is one player I really miss with the Lakers above all else. Obviously, we'd love to have the the lottery talent we've had back on the team for at like a good price. But Larry Nance is one of these guys you just love having part of your team. He's just a great player. Yeah, not great, um, not great player, but he was just a great teammate and a kind of a guy you'd love to see around the locker room. Hundred percent. And we'll move on to Anthony Brown. And personally, I don't think this one will be too long. To be honest with you, but. Um, yeah, he was another selection from that year's draft class. So, Anthony Brown. So, Anthony Brown came out of Stanford. Uh, he was a combo kind of combo player. He used to play shooting guard and small forward. 
he was brought in to be a kind of three and D player in the kind of the Trevor Reza mold, which is my pro comparison for him. Mm-hmm. But he never really lived up to his. Well, he wasn't drafted particularly high either, but he he never lived up to what the Lakers were thought he would be. I thought he was going to be a guy like a three and D guy who could defend other teams' best players, who could spot up shooting from the three point line, but. He never really lived up to that, and he wasn't even like particularly good bench player either. He's, I think he averaged about three or four points a game in his time with the Lakers. And actually, actually, I looked it up there. There's a good point there. He's playing in in Spain now with former Laker Chris Nyanga for Balenciaga Finabrata. I probably butchered that team's name. I apologize to everyone in Spain and the nation of Spain. But yeah, uh, he plays with. Uh, former Laker Krishna Inga. so he's still making a career of basketball. But I really wish he could have kind of been a Trevor Reza light for the Lakers. But yeah, not exactly a great pick for the Lakers. One of the few letdowns for the Lakers over the last couple of years. We've been used to the Lakers hit but hitting it out of the ballpark in the second round. But yeah, he was just so miss, and it, it can happens. It definitely happens. You can't you can't win every draft. But yeah. He had the potential, but never really lived up to it. Yeah, I think two out of three players in that draft class is a huge success, to be fair, and is what a lot of teams don't do. So I think, to me, Brown just never looked confident for NBA basketball, period. I think that's it, really. Um, I could probably just leave it at that, but I'll go in a little bit more. Um, He was red hot from three-point range in college, and he got drafted with a little bit of a reputation. Uh, I think we were all aware of that reputation at the time. Um, maybe not from watching him in college, but certainly when he got drafted, then we did a little bit of research. There was a little bit of excitement around him. Um, there was a little bit of potential there to be a very good role player piece. Um, but as a late round second, sorry, as a late second round pick, I don't think anyone was really expecting him to set the world alight, but I think we just expected him to be a solid role piece uh, to play a role, to be contribute. He played 29 games for the Lakers, so he did have opportunities. I know that's not a lot of games, but it's still a handful of games to prove yourself. Um, he averaged four points on 31% shooting, which is pretty poor, really. He certainly didn't take his opportunity. Again, this was during the rebuild years, too, so that was very much the opportunity to make your mark on a bad team, really. If he wasn't going to do that, he just wasn't good enough flat out. Um he had spells with the defenders too. He went into the D-League. And if I remember correctly, he, he pretty much ripped it up. He was very good. Um, yeah, I think he was one of them players that was stuck between being too good for the D-League at the time and the NBA. Um, obviously, he has gone back since to play in the D-League. And I think he's just doing okay. Um, but at the time, he was very good for the D-League. So obviously, after bouncing around in the NBA a little bit, um, I think he went to the Pelicans after the Lakers, but he played for a few teams. Um, he's gone overseas now, like Jonathan said, and he's playing in Spain. Um, he's still young. He'll, he'll carve out a decent career for himself and um, good luck to him, but it just wasn't meant to be. Yeah, 100% agree. Just very unfortunate. And actually, a lot of respect has to be given to the likes of Ryan West, uh, well, former 
Lakers staff member Ryan Rest and Joey Buss, who were able to find these kind of diamonds in the rough for the Lakers. Obviously, they've, they did, they've done extraordinarily well in terms of drafting players, especially in the later rounds. But yeah, this is a miss, and I definitely agree with you. I think his confidence was probably affected early, and he never really recovered it. Yeah, exactly. And we're going to move on to the 2016 draft. We're going to split it in two. Um, the Lakers had the second round pick for the second consecutive year and selected Brandon Ingram. Ivica Zubac was selected in the second round with the 32nd pick as well. We're going to get on to Ingram now and we're going to leave Zubac for next time. Okay, so Brandon Ingram, I'm quite looking forward to this one. What, what, what do you think of him? So initially, when the Lakers drafted Brandon Ingram second overall, I think most Laker fans were pretty devastated that Ben Simmons was off the board. Mm-hmm. We thought Ben Simmons had a bit of LeBron James esqueness to him, but he, yeah. So we got Brandon Ingram. Initial thoughts like rake thin. That's the, obviously pops off. The first thing you see him is this like a like he looks like Slender Man. It was kind of the perfect. It was the perfect description of him. Like he just genuinely looked like Slenderman, really long limbs, but rake thin. And the one thing we, we I think we all realized straight away, he did not have an NBA body. He just his arms looked like noodles. But there was definitely uh, an ability to shoot and he had like a really good skill set there that probably needed to be developed. Um like DeAndre Russell, I think a significant amount of hype was thrown on Brandon Ingram, Ingram extremely early. Maybe he played a little bit, and his first season he did not definitely did not live up to that his draft positioning. But I think the Lakers probably realized after that season, and I think even initially that Brandon was going to be a long term project for them, someone who they could, they could develop slowly, and when the time was right, he could be an All NBA performer. Yeah, like I said, his first season was pretty terrible, but you could see there was definitely talent there, and the stats probably didn't reflect how good he looked at the time. But he's just being physically bullied by opposing players and didn't look the part of the second overall pick. I think progressively his he got better uh, with Lakers, Lakers as his skill set developed. He added a little bit more muscle to his to his uh, slight frame. Um, but the one thing I think the Lakers realized with Brandon Ingham very early on is that he had the work ethic needed to be like a really good player. Most players who are coming in the draft. A lot of them will over rely on their just physical talent and their their abilities to play. But Brandon Ingram really wanted to get better. You could see that he wasn't satisfied with the level he was playing at and always wanted to push uh, to be better. And um, yeah, he's he's really kind of a player I would have loved the Lakers to kept on to because obviously we see what he's doing now in New Orleans and he's now an All Star player. He really. I, I think, especially with like a, I think this is a common theme with the Lakers. We get a lot of players in the in the lottery, and we don't give them the necessary time to kind of develop. Yeah. We want we want our stars here and now. And Brandon Ingram was definitely one of these guys we could have waited on. I would love to have sent Kuzma in another direction and kept Ingram, but obviously, I think the New Orleans Pelicans realized that there was some serious talent with Brandon Ingram, and they've. 100% realized it now. His pro compar- comparison initially was Kevin Durant, which is really unfair. I remember them saying that on draft night, I was like, Kevin Durant is like, yeah, one of the greatest college players over the last 20 years is your comparison. A guy who can score like like you wouldn't believe, which is really, really unfair. But don't they basically just said, 
oh, he can score a bit and he's really slender. He's Kevin Durant. That wasn't fair. I think a better comparison, and I think he's realizing now, is George the Iceman Curving. I don't think many young listeners would know who he is, but he was just a really silky smooth, very thin um, kind of combo forward who was just destroying uh, players like during his time. But he's really good defender, kind of um, was able to get to uh, use his his length to to get to where he wanted to go. But yeah, Brandon Ingham has done extremely well for himself, and he's going to push on. I think he's going has the potential to be a better prospect than Ben Simmons because I think Ben Simmons is maybe staying at the level he's been at for quite a while, whereas Brandon Ingram has gone from strength to strength. Yeah, I um, I was really big on Ingram, to be honest. And f- from the start, I was as well. He absolutely ripped it up at college. Um, he shot 40% from three, which I don't think a lot of people actually are aware of. Um, and he had a well-rounded skill set. But like you said, he came into the NBA very raw and... Even though he had a well-rounded skill set, I don't think he was aware of what his strengths and weaknesses were. And he hadn't really developed any strengths and weaknesses as such. I think that's why he struggled early on. And obviously he had that KD similarity in terms of his very unique frame. You really don't see that a lot. Um, That linked with that KD similarity pressure being in LA as well, which we previously mentioned, I just don't think really helped him. And that first season was very, very rough. Um, he was off the bench a lot. He only averaged uh, 9-4-2 and two on 40% shooting. Uh, for a second-round pick, it was... it was He was very young, um, but I think it, he was just screaming out that he was a bust. Um, but I really liked him at the time. Um, I was obviously concerned, but... I thought he was a very unique player and he 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 just went through growing pains. I think that's what it was. Um, he ended up going from strength to strength, like you mentioned, and he developed a game where he used his length. He was unstoppable on driving to the rim. He kind of, we saw him develop that quite late on with the Lakers and he really showed some aggression at times for what it looks like quite a shy character. He really did show that fire at times. Obviously, it went a bit overboard, which I'm pretty sure we all know what I'm talking about there. But in terms of the court, when he actually funneled it through in a controlled manner and got to the rim, he was practically unstoppable and you could really see the potential with him. Um, in his last season, he averaged 18-5-3 and three on just short of 50% shooting. Them two numbers that I just mentioned, I've mentioned his previous, um, sorry, his first season numbers, and that was his last season. Three seasons he spent with the Lakers just showed how much his development shot up, and he really found his strengths. And it was really sad to see him go. However, he was the perfect bit of trade bait to acquire a superstar. And that's obviously what all these young players that we are mentioning were, really. Could they have developed into stars in LA? Yes, probably, but they were trade bait. LA don't develop talent as such. I know they have done with the likes of like Magic Johnson, Kobe, you know, there are various other names, but when you look back in history, they've acquired talent. They've acquired their stars mainly. Um, I mean, heck, even Kobe, they traded for, but you know what I mean from in terms of they let the players, um, they let uh, Ingram develop to a certain level as they did with other players. 
within this time period. And then they traded off to get AD. And it was 100% the right decision, in my opinion. Um, yeah, definitely ended up being worth it 100%. Yeah, and he's ripped it up in New Orleans. You know, 24, 6, and 4. That's incredible, to be fair. And short in sh- shooting just short of 40% from three as well. And uh, he's finally looking like a star. I had no doubts about it, to be honest with you, in LA. I'm not just saying that, but um, I, I really did bang that drum uh, quite early on. And he, he's one thing which is really interesting. He's never actually, he hasn't received an extension despite these performances in, for the Pelicans. I think he wants a Matt's contract, so he could be on the move again soon, potentially. Come back to LA. Come back to LA. <laughs> Maybe, but that's actually quite interesting because I was going to mention that um, was that um, I just don't think he was really set for LA. So there has been reports that he actually prefers being away from LA, being away from that spotlight. Uh, and he's uh, he has actually made it public that he prefers playing in a market like New Orleans, and that's nothing like against him at all. But I think when you look at his demeanor, his personality, yeah. I just don't yeah, think he's really an LA player. Do you know if that makes no, sense? No, yeah, he's quite a kind of low key guy. He just he likes going about his business. Like he's got a toughness to him, but I think he's kind of a small town kid who wants to play his basketball, doesn't want to be distracted. Whereas LA, there's obviously a lot of distractions and a lot of players who get distracted very easy, like the likes of D'Angelo Russell and even, like uh, we explain in the next podcast, Lonzo Ball. But yeah, there's a lot of, it's. it doesn't seem like it's the right place for him, whereas he can stay in New Orleans and he can really kind of work on his game. But yeah, just thinking now, I can just imagine um, Brandon on this Lakers team if like they took Kuzma instead, that would have been crazy. He would have been the perfect third star, someone that's yeah. capable of being the little kind of the secondary playmaker, and he had ability to play from anywhere from like point guard to power forward. He would have been a perfect complement to this team. And it's unfortunate mm-hmm. he had to go to. It's really unfortunate he had to go to the Pelicans, but it was at the end of the day, it was one hundred percent the right move. We got Anthony Davis, a player that we're going to be built around for the next decade, and. Yeah, it was just long-term, it was the right move. And I think uh, one thing which is like really crazy is, and it's the same with Tatum in Boston, is Ingram is still only 22 years old. And that is crazy. Like he's been in the league four years. Like he doesn't age. Like it just seems like he's just, some years he just decides not to add on to his age. You know what I mean? Like he, it's, it's the same with Tatum as well. And he's kind of had a bit of a similar story. Obviously, Tatum's the second coming of Jesus Christ ever since he came to the league, it seems. But really, in terms of his early years, he wasn't he wasn't really great, was he, to be honest, um, even though everyone's been bigging him up. Um, but then in the past like, year or two, he's really flourished. Tatum has a fantastic player now. And uh, it's the same with Ingram. You know, sometimes they just need a little bit of time. But these two players, obviously, we've now latched... I have a latched him onto Tatum. These two players are 22 years old that are putting the numbers up that they're putting up. I don't think it's a D'Angelo Russell where they're going to bump into the All-Star selections and then bump out. I think they're going to be like the next generation of, of the players leading the NBA, not in terms of being a LeBron James, but in terms of being a pack that is going to move the NBA forward. I think Ingram is definitely in there. He's a, he's a great player. I think Ingram is kind of going to be in the 
and he's going to be in the superstar discussion, but I think his his ceiling in terms of superstardom would maybe be like a Paul George, like a mm-hmm. really really good kind of might not be the best player on your um, championship team, but the second best, but like a really really good second best. And on any, on any given night, he could be like a re- like a decent first option. I don't see him maybe being the superstar on the team, like a championship team, but pretty close to one. But yeah, he's. I, he's actually the one player above all else. If I could pick top back on the Lakers, it's on one hundred percent him. He fits exactly what we wanted to do, and it's just a shame that he's just, he's going to realize his talent elsewhere. And that seems to be like a really common theme with the Lakers. We really need to, if we if we ever do have this happens to us going forward, and um, we really need to kind of understand that this is not a it's not a sprint, it's a marathon, and that. Mm-hmm. We need to we need to hold on to some of these players because now look what they're doing. D'Angelo Russell is kicking ass in well now in Minnesota, but he was kicking ass in with, uh, Brooklyn Nets and the Golden State Warriors. Um, Larry Nance doing pretty good in Larry Nance and Jordan Clarkson doing pretty well for themselves in um, Cleveland. Mm-hmm. You have Julius Randle who's doing really good for himself, averaging twenty one points a game in New York. We have we we have the ability to find talented players and anywhere in the draft. That much has been proven by the Lakers. But yeah, we I think if we can get these players going long term and kind of hold on to a few of them, and maybe if we get into lottery again, which is pretty much unlikely going forward, but if we ever get like a chance to get a lottery pick, I think we really need to kind of realize we can't have to temper the expectations. They're not going to be all NBA performers right out of the gate. They're going to be good players going forward, but give them the time, give them the necessary kind of um, training and coaching to get to the level. And then look, we've just rattled off maybe five or six names that have gone to really good NBA careers and just fair play to the Lakers for bringing these players into the building. Obviously we wish we could have them all now, obviously not the money they're making, but uh, yeah, some great, great players, but all led to the team we have today with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and I think we we wouldn't trade that for the world. Yeah, a hundred percent, and I agree with everything you said there. But what we'll do is we'll wrap this up, and we'll come again with part two, um, very soon. Um, obviously, it's been a long episode, but it would have been even longer if we decided to do all of the uh, rebuild years in terms of all the players. So we'll wrap it up there. Thanks for jumping on the pod for a chat, Jonathan. It's always a pleasure. That was great fun um, and something we've spoke about, spoken about doing for a while. Um, before you go, do you want to quickly shout out your social media channels? Yeah, absolutely. You can follow me on Twitter at JonathanKNBA, which is J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N-K-N-B-A. So thank you very much, Matt, for having me on. I love doing these podcasts with you and can't wait to do the second part with you later on. Yeah, 100%. And uh, that episode will be with you all very soon. Uh, Thanks again, Jonathan. It's been a pleasure. Um, To the listeners, we'll see you again for part two, where we'll tackle the second half of this, which will be the second half of 2016, which is a Vichy Zubach, to 2018, which should be good fun. If you enjoyed the show, please make sure to tell some of your Laker friends about it. You can find The Late Late Show on all major podcast platforms. Please follow and leave a review where possible. Be sure to follow Lakers UK over on Twitter and Instagram under LA Lakers UK. Check out our website, lakersuk.com, and also subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll catch you next time.